Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello, game dayers. This is Sam Matterface with the Game Day Preview Pod. The FA Cup comes to TalkSport this week and we have seven live games for you over the weekend and a special Round the Grounds programme on the third round Saturday. Wolves against Manchester United is the pick of the round with Liverpool and Everton likely to feature at least one batch of reserves. Which teams are going to take the cup seriously and who are going to sack it off, risking the wrath of the ardent supporter? We will look at Jose's approach at Borough and Newcastle go somewhere they've never been before and they're taking half the city with them. Plus, Arsenal leads, Chelsea Forest, FC filed away at Sheffield United and Hartlepool back in the big time, sort of. And wherever the story, we will be there on game day. Salah in the D, kills it with one touch. Mane is there, saved by Henderson. But Mane will tuck in the rebound. It's 2-0 Liverpool and Sadio Mane and Salah are combining again. And the leaders of the league, the champions of the world, the New Year's honours are definitely going to Liverpool. Going into half-time, flipped by Lacazette, saved by the goalkeeper, comes back to Socrates who lashes it home. And it's 2-0 to Arsenal against Manchester United on the stroke of half-time. A corner into the near post which was flicked on by Lacazette, saved by David De Gea. And Socrates was there to thunder the ball in. Diagonal to the left-hand side, Philippe Anderson's taken it down brilliantly. Philippe Anderson is the box, chance to finish it, Anderson, 4-0! Points in the back for David Moyes' side. He punches the air with delight. It's hugs all round on the bench as well. Here is Mares, edge of the D, through for Gabriel Jesus again. And this time he drills it past the goalkeeper on his left foot. Two for Gabriel Jesus, two for Manchester City. It's Manchester City 2, Everton 0. Did he now gets it away, shot comes in and it's a goal! Off the underside of the crossbar for Hamza Chowdhury. Curls it in from 20 yards out, hits the crossbar and bounces down. And they're leaving now St James's Park because this one's over. Newcastle 0, Leicester 3. Stevens wins it back and then clips it over the top for Danny Ings. Ings in the area, gets away from Oliverald. Oh, that's a stunning goal! Danny Ings is at it again for Southampton! It was a route one ball from the halfway line. Ings scooped it over the head of Oliverold and then lashed it left footed into the bottom corner. Goal number 15 for Danny Ings. And he started the new year like he finished the last. It is Southampton 1, Tottenham 0. On the show this week, an FA Cup runner-up with West Ham United in the Gerrard final of 2006. 
a man who was seconds away from being an FA Cup winner until the aforementioned Gerard cracked one in from 25 yards. Danny Gabadon, over it yet? <laughs> it still hurts me to this day, Sam. Still hurts me to this day. Happy New Year to you, though. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, happy New Year to you and to the man who once went to an FA Cup final in somebody else's box to watch somebody else's team whilst drinking somebody else's beer. It's Alex Crook. <laughs> I remember that day very well. I also went to the Manchester United-Chelsea FA Cup final, which wasn't quite so champagne fueled on or off the pitch. OK, um, who do you think will be giving the FA Cup big licks this season? Who do you think will be binning it off? Because there are a number of teams in this competition who have got a bit of pressure on them to try and win a trophy this season. Danny? Yeah, I think I think you exactly. I think this might be different this season. Obviously, for, for a number of seasons now, you're looking at the, the Premier League sides and they've kind of seen it as a bit of a burden, really, extra games that they don't really need in their kind of quest for whether it's winning a Premier League or staying in the Premier League. Um, but I think maybe this season you might see it slightly different. As you say, Sam, I think there are a few teams... Um, who could probably do with a, an FA Cup on their kind of CV come end of the season. I think you look at Tottenham, Mourinho coming into Tottenham, a manager who's renowned for kind of taking cup competition seriously. It's going to be a struggle for them to probably finish in the top four this season with a, the form that they're showing. So I think, you know, a good cup run for them would be good. West Ham with David Moyes coming in, I think straight away he's already said they're going to take the FA Cup really serious this season. Um, I think that would look good on his CV. Ancelotti coming in to Everton. Um, obviously, they've got a big game uh, coming up against Liverpool, but you know they'll fancy themselves for a good cut run as well. So I think there are a few teams of you know new managers coming in um, who could benefit maybe from uh, um, having a really good cut run and maybe getting some silver at the end of the season. I agree with Gabs. Uh, saw Tottenham lose at Southampton; they were dreadful, and, and actually. Uh, the new decade marks an entire decade without Tottenham winning a major trophy. Their last major trophy uh, was in 2009. Of course, they're up against Jonathan Woodgate this weekend, who was part of that team that won the League Cup. Um, I think Manchester United need to go for it. They haven't won the FA Cup nearly as much as they should have done in the last 20 years. In terms of teams who are going to slack it off, it's going to be those teams down at the bottom, isn't it? I'm looking at Bournemouth, who, who play the reserves anyway. He will do that again because the priority is staying in the in the Premier League. Norwich will make 10 changes. I think Nigel Pearson is going to need to rest players at Watford. So you will probably see a lot of those sides scrapping to stay in the Premier League. We'll feel weakened teams and we'll probably go out. AFC filed going to Bramall Lane. Now, for me, this is what the FA Cup is all about. Merseyside derbies. Not for me, Clive. One of the uh, non-league teams in the third round. There's only two of them this time around. Going to the home of a Premier League club. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, one team from Manchester has already been the victim of the Wolves pack this season. In fact, in the last couple of days. So, can Nuno neutralise United too? Doty ghosting into the area, left footed drive, he's won it! Oh, they remember it now, all right! Oh, they will remember it now! A last minute winner from Matt Doherty against the champions from Wolverhampton Wanderers who have come back from 2-0 down and now surely the title is going to Anfield. Rashford, he's away from the goalkeeper, he's fallen over but he's still found a way to turn it home. <laughs> it's a 90s goal from Manchester United on the break. Burnley had sent everybody forward. It is the dying second, the dying embers, the last chance saloon. And that drink has been drunk by Marcus Rashford.
5.31, Saturday night, live on FA Cup game day. It's Wolves against Manchester United. All the game's actually kicking off one minute late to encourage fans to take a minute to think about looking after their mental health as part of the Heads Up campaign. Alex Crook is looking at this one for us. What do you reckon is going to happen? Well, when the draw was made, I had a horrible sense of foreboding because, of course, Wolves knocked Manchester United out of the FA Cup last season. Speaking to a couple of Wolves fans in preparation for this podcast... I'm a little bit more confident because I'm not convinced that Nuno is going to name his strongest side. They've played 35 games this season, Wolves, in all competitions. They've only used 19 players in the Premier League. It's virtually the fewest of any of the Premier League clubs. It may even be the fewest now. So I think he's going to have to rest players. I think he wants to go deep into the draw in the Europa League. That will be his priority. And I think United, as I mentioned already, they've won the FA Cup once in 16 years. That just isn't good enough. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a player who knows what it means to win a trophy. Sir Alex Ferguson used to target a trophy a season. Maybe this could be their best chance. Wolves are unbeaten in four games against Manchester United. And despite what has been a pretty good festive period for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it hasn't been um, convincing, has it? I mean, they lost away at Watford. They were awful against Arsenal uh, on New Year's Day or the New Year's Day batch of fixtures. Um how much stall do you think he will set by going in and trying to, to, to win this competition? Because you mentioned that the ambition of the club is to win a trophy every season. But ultimately, their main thrust this season has got to be trying to get back into the top four, hasn't it? Well, they're not going to do that unless they can find a level of consistency that's been lacking, uh, certainly this season under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I've got a very good friend of mine, actually, who does shift work. He One week on, one week off. And I think Manchester United are doing that at the moment as well. One game on, one game off. <laughs> Um, Arsenal was definitely the off game and I've mentioned to you already I think they've dropped a clanger I think they should have re-signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic we're just seeing pictures on the TV screen the studio of him arriving Mm. in Milan I think he he has everything that United need of course listen he's he's older than you Sam but he is talismanic Um, he is a leader and United are lacking that at the moment If if you look back through their history they've always had a bit of a maverick character uh, to turn to in times of adversity. You can go right back to George Best, Cantona, uh, Roy Keane. You know, he'd have a fight with a German on the way home from the pub, but he would always turn it on on a Saturday afternoon. Even David Beckham, in his own ways, was a maverick and, and, and a talisman. You look at United against Arsenal, as soon as that first goal went in, the shoulders just yeah. slumped, Daddy. And, you know, it, it's great having a team of young players, but we're seeing this with Chelsea. It's difficult for a team of youngsters to produce week in, week yeah. out. Who's the leader there? Harry Maguire's wearing the captain's armband. Is, is he a captain in the Not in, in the Cantona and the Keen Ilk? I don't think so. I just I just think Slatan had such a galvanising effect on the club when he was there last time. They won two trophies that season. Yeah. The Europa League when he was injured and the League Cup final. I was there uh, in the United end. They should have lost to Southampton that day. Slatan single-handedly won the League Cup and they don't have a player who can do that at the moment. Yeah, I, I think they do lack leaders in the team. Um, I think the signings that have come in this season uh, have been good and have done well, but they're young players um, learning on the job almost a little bit and, and need those kind of big um, players around them um, to bring them on. They've done brilliantly on their own, to be honest with you. I, I look at Harry Maguire and I just don't think he's a leader. I just look at his kind of his body language at times. I was looking at him you know, the other night in the Arsenal game. His body just seems like so miserable at, at times. And I just think, I just don't see him as the guy, you know, if I'm a younger player, looking at him and saying, look, I'm going to kind of follow you. I just don't, I, I think he's more of an individual player, if I'm honest with you. So I think they do need those leadership players in into the group. Someone like Aslatan, who, not just what he says, just the way he kind of, his presence on the pitch. Um, you know, he's just got that winning mentality. They do need to add one or two of those players. But 
Um, I don't know. I think in a cup game, no, Manchester United, I think in a one-off game, they are a more dangerous team. We talk about consistency in the league. That has been a struggle for them. But I think in, in the cup competition, in those one-off games, they are more of a, a dangerous outfit for sure. Zlatan is not the answer, though, is he? I mean, he's 38 years of age. His best days are certainly behind him. They've tried this trick more than once, haven't they? Getting him to try and galvanise the team. They had him for a season. He did brilliantly for them. Then they kept him on when probably they shouldn't have done for another season. He got injured very quickly uh, that season and was just sort of hanging around, trying to sort of keep the troops going and lifting them in the dressing room, as you sort of suggest that they need. But, but they have sort of been there and done that. They need somebody else. They need someone of a different ilk to come in and really lift this team. You talk about a maverick character. They've already got one of those in Paul Popper. I was with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the other night and I asked him whether or not he thought he would still be a Manchester United player on February the 1st. And he said, yeah, he would be. There's no doubt about it. Well, mainly now because he's got to have an ankle operation and he's not going to play for the next two months. Um, but ultimately, when you say Zlatan to come into the team, you're also forgetting about the major quality that this team has, which is they can only play on the counter-attack. And Zlatan can't do that. So it, it would be a bit pointless. They need someone who can, can at least fit into the structure of the team. Well, they need to learn how to play a different way because every game they lose this season follows the same pattern. That's why on this podcast a few weeks ago, I told you they would beat Manchester City because they're very good at playing teams who come onto them, who put them on the back foot, and then they hit on the counter-attack. I mean, Solskjaer's interview last night, he said, oh, we had a good couple of counter-attacks in the first five minutes. Yes, but that was it. As soon as Arsenal dropped deep and got men behind the ball, United didn't have a way to break them down. Anthony Martial was a passenger from that point forward. Uh, Rashford was trying to carry the team on his own. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was this elite coach that a club like Manchester United should be demanding, he should know how to break down opponents who play like that. The fact he doesn't is a major problem and I think they'll be okay against Wolves because at home they like to play football. They will probably get the chance to mount those counter-attacks. Okay, uh, we'll move on from uh, Wolves against Manchester United, which is a 5.31 kickoff on Saturday afternoon. I do agree with you, though. They do need some leaders in that dressing room. They do need some bigger characters there. I just wonder whether or not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants bigger characters in that dressing room. Fredericks delivers in towards Alain. Akumatis! Oh! oh! It's a sensational second goal! This man was bought for big, big money in the summer. And he's shown it in glimpses so far. And the Frenchman there has come up with a quite brilliant scissor kick finish into the far corner. West Ham are absolutely flying, just like the bubbles all around this stadium. Let's move on to Gillingham against West Ham United. What does David Moyes do here? He picked a young side against Shrewsbury shortly after being appointed last time. Would he be better to just go out and win it? I think he's already said he wants to take this seriously, Danny. And the, the, the FA Cup means a lot to West Ham United. You know from your experience. Experience, you know that this is this is one of those competitions that West Ham sort of look to the glory years. You know, back in the day, we won the World Cup and the FA Cup in the in the in the same sort of era. Um, the TV companies are sending the cameras down because they sniff an upset. Steve <laughs> Evans, seven straight wins on home soil before New Year's Day for Gillingham and West Ham are well, they're West Ham, aren't they? They are, um, but I got to say, you know, I do like what David Moyes has said straight away. You know, he's come out and said, look. You know we're going to take the FA Cup seriously. We, we want to win. Um, we want to win that trophy, um, and that's exactly what the fans and, and the players want to hear as well. I mean, I covered 
West Ham earlier in the season in the League Cup um, down at Newport, and they, they fielded a fairly strong team there, got the job done, and I thought, oh, they're going to take that competition fairly seriously. Um, then I think they went to Oxford, <laughs> changed yeah. things around in the next round and, and got a hammer in. So um, why not? I mean, I don't see West Ham going down. I really don't. With the teams that are down there, um, with Moyes now coming in, I don't see them being around the relegation trouble end of the season. So so why not have a go in the cup with, with the squad that they've got? And if you can get them, well, he already has got them performing well. Um, I don't see why they can't be a dangerous a dangerous team in this competition. You know, Gillingham, as you mentioned there, Sam, is not going to be an easy game. Never an easy place to go. I've played there a few times myself. A couple of friendly games there as a West Ham player and never an easy place to go. And as you say, they're in good home form. Um, but I think, they will field a strong side. Um, I think, you know, continuity things as well. The new manager coming in, you want to um, you want to keep things going. You want to get your ideas across to the players. You might want to find out about one or two of the characters of the players as well. So you might see one or two changes with players he's not too sure about and he wants to see. But I think in general, it'll be a really strong team. And I'd, I'd expect West Ham to get the job done there. Did he take Everton to an FA Cup final? Do I remember that? They lose to Chelsea in an FA Cup final. Was Moyes Everton manager then? Um, I think he scored will. the fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final, didn't they? With Louis Saha. I think they scored after about nine seconds or something like that. I was on Sky Sports News covering it at the time and I wanted to uh, I wanted to walk out of the studio, to be honest <laughs> with you. But it was only Tony Gow that kept me on, in check. I had money on Sahar actually, in that final. I also had money on Ashton in your final. Oh, really? And he, scored and he counted as well, because you, yeah. the first goal was an own goal. So yeah. I've got a good record in cup finals. Um, unlike David Moyes, it seems. I think he will go strong. Um, <laughs> and Danny Gavadon. <laughs> Come on now. Come on, Sam. Oh, that's harsh. Start the new year as you mean to go on. I think he will take it seriously because I just said to our producer downstairs, who's an ardent West Ham fan, they're not going to go down. They were never going to go down. They're not going to qualify for Europe. They've left themselves too many points adrift. So why not try and win the FA? Cup. The trouble is when they do go strong, because they went pretty strong at Wimbledon last season, I seem to recall, yeah. and got knocked out. And you mentioned they made changes at Oxford. They still had a pretty strong team out there. So I think there is a psychological block with some of these players when it comes to going to these lower league grounds. And listen, Gillingham isn't the most appetising place <laughs> to start your FA Cup run. I do wonder if the likes of Four Nows and Sebastian Allaire can turn it on at the Priestfield on a cold Sunday afternoon. I guess we'll find out. Bit out of order on Gillingham um, for those people who grew up in Kent. Ollie Lee, though, plays for Gillingham and he'll have a point to prove. Rob Lee's kid, he was released by West Ham without playing a first team appearance. Um, and I was on the back of a motorcycle the other day with a guy from Kent called Mick. And he's a big Jills fan. And he said to me, you know what, Sam? This is a massive game for us because we play West Ham quite a bit in pre-season friendlies, as Danny's already alluded to. We have never in any form of football ever beaten them. Not in the league, not in a cup game or even a friendly. Maybe this might be the day. Right, let's move on to Craven Cottage, where Fulham are taking on Aston Villa, who have probably got bigger fish to fry. High-flying championship side Fulham have fond memories of Aston Villa, the side they beat at Wembley to earn their place back in the Premier League. That was only a season's sojourn for the Cottagers, who are back at the right end of the championship table, sitting in fifth and hoping for another shot at Wembley glory under Scott Parker. Fulham will be smarting after their New Year's Day loss to Reading, but don't expect sweeping changes and prioritisation of the league, mainly because so many of the squad are injured. Harrison Reid and Steve Sessegnon joined Tom Kearney on the doubtful list for this one, 
after picking up knocks against the Royals. Villa heeded little warning from Fulham's top-flight strategy of bringing in too many players and as a consequence are struggling at the wrong end of the table after a big summer spend. Dean Smith's side will rotate, but not through choice themselves. They have to find a solution for the centre-forward role after Wesley was ruled out for the rest of this season with a posterior cruciate ligament tear. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Allowing Robertson in round the back, cross towards Mo Salah. Three and a half minutes in and Liverpool take the lead. It's a slip by Bulldog which allowed Robertson in. He's got his face in his hands, Bulldog. What a shame for him, George Bulldog. Been so good this season for the Blades. But you just simply cannot allow Liverpool a sniff of a chance. And Mo Salah converts from close range. It's 1-0 to Liverpool. OK, let's get to the Merseyside derby. Sunday, 4-0-1 kick-off. Liverpool against Everton. No, uh, Everton player has scored a winning goal not just in the last decade, not even in the, the decade before that. The last person to score a winning goal for Everton at Anfield was in the last millennium, Danny Gabadon. How are Everton going to upset the apple cart here? Well, I think this is a quite an intriguing tie, actually, because I think from a, a Liverpool point of view, they'd be quite happy to kind of go out of this competition. Um, but it's going to be very difficult when you're home against your kind of your main rivals, really. Um they're really going to probably have to take this a bit more seriously than they, than they would have liked. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti coming into Everton, one of the first things he spoke about was Liverpool and comparing Everton to Liverpool and wanting to, to get one over them, which I thought was a little bit strange. And this is his first opportunity to to do so. Um, obviously, they've got off to a really good start. Um, I'm sure he'll be hoping that Liverpool will probably um, change their team around and maybe won't be taking this game as, as serious as they would like. Um so I think that's probably their best opportunity, really, to, to field a strong team themselves, um, which, you know, as I said, you're looking at teams that might want to uh, be in the final or win this competition right at the end. Everton should be one of those sides, so I'd expect Ancelotti to, to go strong with his team um, and hope that Liverpool um, obviously have to rest players because they've had a really, really busy Christmas schedule. I think Ancelotti's going to take this really seriously. He's a serial winner. He's won trophies wherever he's been. Again, like West Ham, Everton were never seriously under the threat of relegation. It's going to be a tall order to break into the top six. I think they can win this game. 
against a Liverpool side whose minds will clearly be elsewhere. And I think they could just be the dark horse this season. It's interesting you say that, though. But we, we've seen this episode before, haven't we? You know, Liverpool rest loads of players, play a Merseyside derby, <laughs> and then still win by five goals to two. Uh, I mean, ultimately, Liverpool are unbeaten in the last 20 Merseyside derbies because they do, no matter who plays, take them seriously. I mean, Everton might get lucky and get a draw and take them back to Goodison Park. But ultimately, them winning at Anfield seems a fanciful no- notion to me. Yeah, but I think they take a draw and, and, and fancy their chances under the lights at Goodison Park in a replay. Um, was it Virgil van Dijk made his Liverpool debut in this game in the FA Cup, I think I'm right in saying, a couple of years ago? And you look at the, the way that Liverpool have kicked on since then, and this is a real chance for Everton to show they're on their way back under Carlo Ancelotti. OK, uh, let's uh, move our attention to the north of Manchester and Newcastle are breaking new ground. And did he now gets it away? Shot comes in and it's a goal! Off the underside of the crossbar for Hamza Chowdhury. Curls it in from 20 yards out. Hits the crossbar and bounces down. And they're leaving now St James's Park because this one's over. It now turns into a big, huge cup tie. So let's rest and recover and, um, and get ready for Saturday. Newcastle head to Rochdale for the first time ever, backed by a sellout travelling army of 3,200 supporters. Uh, this will be my second visit to uh, Scotland. I went there two seasons ago to watch Millwall win an FA Cup replay uh, because I was doing the game in the next round. It was absolutely arctic. Uh, the pitch was half sand that day. Then Spurs turned up um, in the next round and drew on a relayed pitch soon afterwards. You remember, I think, that Harry Kane... I think he scored late on to, to earn a replay or something like that. Uh, Newcastle are, are one of those teams that are in that position, like West Ham, like um, Everton, a team that, 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 that can't really afford to chuck this in because of the way that the, the fans will react. This is a team that, who everyone knows haven't won a domestic trophy for 65 years. And Bruce has done a really good job, actually, of making them really boring and unnewsworthy. No one's talking about them because they're just sitting there in the middle of the table and no one's really that worried about them. But I don't think the Toon Army will be too happy if they've taken 3,000 across to Rochdale and then they put out a weakened side. Although he may well not have an, uh, an opportunity to do anything else because of the number of injuries that he picked up in the last league game. And he's made a big thing about the fact that the, the Christmas schedule has been very difficult for him to manage um, but he's got a good pedigree in, in, in cup competitions as well hasn't he I mean he took hold to an FA Cup final and, and they did well in that in that final against Arsenal and he had a good relationship with the the, the cup as a uh, as a player as well I, I think he has to take it seriously doesn't he he was on the line with a dodgy hamstring when Everton won the FA Cup um, under Joe Royal and had his hamstring not have gone he would have actually kept out the winning goal and United may well have gone on to win the FA Cup but I'm not bitter about that <laughs> um, I think he'll take it seriously and I think again Newcastle New- <laughs> sounded very Gabadon-esque <laughs> Newcastle are a team who need the FA Cup because as you say they, they, they wherever they go in, in, in the world in, in, in the country they are always ruled on by this huge contingent of travelling Newcastle fans they've had some pretty dour days in the FA Cup there was a long stage when they hadn't won a third round tie for something like a decade um, I remember. I think he will take it seriously. I think mm. Steve Bruce, with his affinity with the FA Cup, will will believe that maybe Newcastle are a side who could go a long way in the draw. I see this as the banana skin one for me. I really do. Um, I know, obviously, Rochdale are not in great form in, in their domestic league or whatever, but if I'm a Rochdale player, I'm thinking at least we can have possession of the ball against Newcastle. Newcastle will give you possession of the ball. They're not a team that are going to dominate possession and you're going to be chasing shadows all afternoon um 
I think you know you will be able to kind of attack them. Um, so I just if I if I'm a Rochdale player, I'm just going to be think, I'm going to be thinking, look, we can kind of get at these Newcastle a few injuries as well. Um, will some of the players fancy it down there? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I if I was if I was a Rochdale player, I'd be I'd be really up for this one, thinking is this a possible kind of upset? And you know, certainly when I was a, a player, kind of you know at Cardiff City, the the kind of lower league teams and stuff. You know, we really looked forward to getting those draws against the big clubs, and obviously we had a, a great kind of um, victory against Leeds um, at Ninian Park, and we, it was a similar kind of feeling where you know they were, they had a star-studded team, but we thought, look, if we can get at them, and you know kick one or two of them and just make them feel uncomfortable we could we could maybe turn them over and get a result and I think that's what the Rochdale players will be thinking as well it's a good opportunity for them it, it's been a long time since Newcastle had a star-studded team though isn't it um Even Rochdale arguably <laughs> have bigger fish to fry they're fighting relegation um they, they, they want to avoid being the one team that slips into league two with Southend and Bolton they had a very bad Christmas with three straight defeats and they've only won once at home since October uh, before then, they slipped to 19th in the division, um, but I'm sure they'll enjoy the occasion. And they only actually got through after a replay with Boston, who didn't really show up in that game, and the goalie threw the ball in the net as well. Uh, they do have a striker though, who is nearly as old as me. He's 40. His pro career started in 1997, so he has now entered his fourth decade playing professional football. But in 27 FA Cup matches, Aaron Wilbraham has only ever scored one. Goal. Good luck to him. I did read that Newcastle fans uh, willing to shell out can still go and enjoy the VIP service in the corporate hospitality area at Spotland this week. Um, it, you, you get a glass of Bucks Fizz on arrival, uh, delicious full English breakfast, match day programme and team sheet, plus a ticket for the game, all for just £75 per adult. You can have a good night out in Newcastle <laughs> for £75. I'll do that instead. sounds like probably sounds like a good idea Uh, right let's move on to Manchester City uh, winners of this competition last season and defending their trophy against Port Vale Mares finds Jesus that's another one oh my word Everton simply cannot keep Gabriel Jesus down Left foot this time, low finish, Jordan Pickford beaten at his near post, and it's Manchester City 2, Everton 0. A match as much about the perils of social media as qualification for the fourth round. What happens when a hypothetical becomes a reality? That's the question for Vale striker Tom Pope, who once tweeted that if John Stones played against him in League Two, he'd score 40 goals a season, despite the England man's inflated wage packet. Well, now's the chance for the man who scored 100 goals for the club in three spells to prove just that. The Vale are in mid-table in League Two, having been struck by a glut of draws recently. John Askey's side have come through MK Dons and Cheltenham to qualify for this glamour tie. For City, the cup winners of last season following that Wembley thumping of Watford, expect heavy rotation from them after an energy-sapping Christmas, with Raheem Sterling and Sergio Aguero pushing for recalls, having been dropped against Everton on New Year's Day.
Dream Team is the only game where every match counts, whatever the competition. But we obviously are looking only at Premier League players here, Andrew Butler. What is the skill, the key to picking an effective team? Uh, it's really tricky, to be honest. Most Premier League teams go for slightly weakened sides, as we know at this stage of, uh, of the FA Cup. Um, and you don't really want to be getting rid of your top players for just one game week only. So we'll be trying to look and find some of these players who um, might be getting a run in the team or, or the managers might be just wanting them to, to get them more game time over the next uh, next month or so. But um, yeah, they, 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 there is a potential chance to pick up points against lesser sides as well. Um, so it's an interesting one um, and, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. Okay, you're going to look at two games uh, for us where points you think could be scored. Uh, Chelsea Forest, we'll get to that in just a minute. But Arsenal Leeds, why do you, why do you think that the Arsenal players can pick up points here? I was particularly impressed with Pepe in the game against Manchester United, but he got tired very quickly in the second half. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if um, if Nicolas Pepe gets uh, gets a gets a game uh, against Leeds on Monday night. Um, got 13 points against Man United. Really impressive performance, obviously um, uh, from the entire team there. Be interesting to see if uh, the likes of people like Reese Nelson and Gabriel Martinelli could be back as well. Um, Bukayo Saka too. And um, these sort of players might be the sort of players that um, that might be getting some game time. I think Nelson really. You're looking at a player who really excelled in the uh, in the Bundesliga last season. You kind of forget that he's kind of been there, but he started the uh, last couple of games in in the last month or so. So um, he's in the game uh, at 2.1 million. Could be a shout. I mean, if he plays well against Leeds, um, who are a, an excellent team at the moment, could force his way back into the starting eleven too. Did help in Pepe, didn't it? That he was playing up against Luke Shaw against <laughs> United. Presumably, whoever pl- plays left back at Leeds will be a mannequin, slightly more capable than Luke Shaw was that night. I do think I do. I, I do love doing the podcast straight after a Manchester United defeat because it completely changes the dynamic, doesn't it? One minute he's like, "Ollie's the special one," the next minute he's like, "I hate this squad. It's useless. They're all rubbish. Look at that. Jesse Lingard. He's terrible. That, that Luke, Luke Shaw. He's awful. That geezer in goal. Who is he? You know, he used to be a world class goalkeeper. He's not anymore. Where's Dean Henderson? What else you got for us, Andrew? Uh, so if we move on to, to Chelsea versus Forrest as well. Forrest, another team doing really well um, in, in the championship. Um, they've actually not been that convincing. I've watched quite a lot of Forrest, um, but they do keep winning games. They scraped past Wigan and Blackburn, but they keep on putting those points on the board. So like fair play to them. It won't be a walk in the park um, down at Stamford Bridge uh, for Chelsea. It's also a repeat of um, this FA Cup tie last season. Chelsea won 2-0 thanks to goals um, from Alvaro Morata. And the last time I had a look at this, the last time Forrest beat Chelsea was in the Premier League in January 1997. The goal scorers that day, Chris Bart-Williams and your friend and mine, Stuart Pearce. <laughs> ah, look at that. Um, I think more Chelsea fringe players will get minutes in this game. We, we might see Lamptey again, who was impressive against Arsenal when he came off the bench. Um, minutes maybe for Giroud or, or Batshuayi, although you have to be a little bit careful there because Batshuayi gets in the squad and Giroud doesn't, but and one of them is going to probably be moved on in this January transfer window, and if that is the case, they they won't want him to get cup tied, will they? So it's a bit of a gamble throwing one of those two in. Yeah, it's a bit of a gamble. I looked at Michi Batshuayi. He's got really decent form actually in the FA Cup um, since he arrived in England. Ten games, six goals, two assists. Yeah. He's actually been um, picked by. Um, 0.3% of teams which doesn't sound that many and it isn't that many but it's actually more than uh, more uh, teams have picked him than Gerard De La Feo uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin Neil Mopé Lise Mousset so some dream team players are uh, uh, actually quite like the look Andrew, of the guy H- Hudson-Odoi surely 
is going to start. He, he's got to be one to think about maybe sticking in. He looks like someone who's not quite back to his best, but this might be a game you know, yeah. where he can catch fire again. Completely. And uh, uh, Hudson Odoi has been picked by 0.5% of the teams. He's done the game at 2.4 million. Not like, you know, he, he could be a, a bit of a bargain. He's got no goals or assists in 13 appearances. And it's sort of this sort of game that you think needs to put down some sort of marker if Lampard's going to take him kind of really seriously or if he needs to kick on to the next level. Obviously, he's still incredibly young, but you're expecting it if he wants to get a good run in the team that he needs to be, um, you know, doing well against teams like Nottingham Forest. And it's interesting, isn't it, that we're talking about him in this mode where he's got to sort of prove that he is worth the hype. Because if you go back 12 months, all the talk in the last January transfer window and even running into the summer was is that Bayern Munich were going to sign this player and that he was the next big thing and he was killing Mbappe too. But ultimately, I don't think he's had the impact that he thought he was going to have when coming into the team. And he's got to knuckle down, he's got to work a little bit harder and actually he's got to display the talent that he definitely has got. I mean, he, there's, there's no doubt that he's an incredibly gifted footballer, but he hasn't made the incision into Premier League football that I think many people thought he was going to have. No goals in 13 games and no assists is, is nothing, though, is it? Jesse Lingard's just told him to hold his <laughs> beer. <laughs> Superb stuff. OK. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more about him in just a few moments. Uh, thank you very much, Andrew. Cheers, Sam. OK, let's turn our attention uh, to the Flying Foxes. Uh, Brendan always makes changes, so it, it won't make any difference as he makes 10 this weekend against Wigan Athletic. Here's Tom Rennie. Still darting forward, it's a wonderful run, and he slipped it through the middle, and here's a chance, it's 2-1 to Leicester City! Damari Gray racing through the middle, and then racing across to celebrate in front of the away supporters, and ten minutes into the second half, Leicester have piled the pressure on Pellegrini, it's West Ham 1, Leicester 2. Uh, it's another brilliant counter-attacking move, Leicester, the Flying Foxes at their best, so calm and composed here, Damari Gray. I mean, the referee just booked it's a Diop. He tried to take down Ian Acho, then he tried to take down Perez. He shrugged him off, ran at the heart of the defence, then slipped the ball inside. Damari Gray runs off Carlos Sanchez. He just lets him go, absolutely awful defending. One touch to set himself, and then he just curls the ball around Fabianski with absolutely no time. Fantastic finish. Leicester City have rotated heavily over the festive period, but Fox's fans will be hoping Brendan Rodgers picks his best 11 for this one, with the Cup a realistic target for the side sitting in second the Premier League table. Jamie Vardy has missed the last couple of matches and may be given more time away for this one too, with Kelechi Iheanacho a more than capable deputy on recent form. For Wigan, it's been a season of strife in the Championship, sitting as they are in 22nd, but they will have been buoyed by an unexpected win at Blackburn on New Year's Day. Their first on the road this season saw them climb off the bottom. Manager Paul Cook's side knocked Man City out of this competition two seasons ago, having famously beaten them in the final in 2013, so have giant-killing pedigree. But will their attentions be elsewhere this time around? And it will be a free kick away to our right for Christian Eriksen to take. 
right on the edge of the D. Can he get Tottenham back into this game with this opportunity? 1-0 to Norwich City at present, live on TalkSport. But this is a golden opportunity. It's right on the cusp of the D, a shade left of centre. Eriksen steps up, right-footed, rams it into the net. Telegraphed it over the wall, past Tim Krul, who dived to his right-hand side, couldn't get anywhere near it. Such was the power and the precision of Christian Eriksen. It's a wonderful free kick. Tottenham are back in it. It's Norwich 1, Tottenham 1. Sunday afternoon, the serial trophy hunter extraordinaire, Jose Mourinho, starts his quest for a 26-piece of silverware in his managerial career. Yes, two community shields certainly included in that. Middlesbrough are the opponents. And you mentioned it earlier, Jonathan Woodgate actually scored for Tottenham the last time they won a trophy in the what was the Worthington Cup final against Chelsea uh, back in, uh, well, back under one day Ramos, would you believe? Um, Middlesbrough have had a really good festive period. I saw them earlier in the season against Hull when Jonathan Woodgate was sort of bemoaning the results, saying that they weren't really reflecting the performances that his team were putting in. And that was certainly the case that day because they went actually 2-0 up in their game against Hull, dominated completely. They were absolutely battering Hull City. And then Marvin Johnson got sent off eight minutes before half-time for the most stupid of stupid challenges. And things completely turned in Hull's favour. I think Jared Bowen scored twice in that game and all of a sudden they ended up dropping more points. But in recent weeks, they've beaten Stoke, they've beaten Huddersfield and they've beaten West Bromwich Albion as well, and, and and now they're sort of clear of their relegation zone, so they can have a little bit of fun with this, can't they? I think it's a nice distraction for them. As you say, Sam, they've been in, in good form, had a good uh, run of results over the Chris, Christmas period. I'm surprised how well they've been doing, actually. When I was kind of looking, um, doing a bit of research on them, um, I didn't realise what a good run they've actually been on. Um, and their home form's been good as well in recent weeks, so... I think as a player going into this, yeah, it's it's almost a free hit for them. You're feeling good about yourself. You're feeling confident. It's a nice distraction to get away from the the pressures of the championship where the games come thick and fast. And you can always play with a bit of freedom. And, you know, you're not expected to maybe go out there and and turn over a Premier League team. but, But you hope if you play the way you have been, that you can. And you look at Tottenham, obviously, you know, they have been um, a little bit inconsistent of late conceding goals. So, as I, again, as a Middlesbrough player, you'll go into this one thinking um, that maybe a, an upset is possible. Inconsistent. I mean, this has been an, the theme of any team that is chasing fourth place this season. Tottenham, Manchester United, Chelsea. I mean, utterly unconvincing defensively. Some of the performances by Tottenham Hotspur, and I did them on Boxing Day and down at Norwich, they were woeful. They've lost 22 Premier League games in 2019. Astonishing. Nobody lost more in the Premier League over that calendar year. Absolutely abysmal. And do you know what? I I, I do find him very funny, Jose Mourinho. I think he's, he's hilarious. He comes out, he has a word in the Southampton dugout guy's ear, starts having a go at the goalkeeping coach or whatever, and then comes out and says, yeah, I deserve my yellow card. I was rude, but I was rude to an idiot. Then he sits in a press conference and talks about Tangi and Dombali and says, and basically says, yeah, he's all right. He's pretty good for 62 million quid, but he's never fit. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? I can't use him. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, he is absolute box office, but Tottenham at the moment are not box office, and that is a, a, a real issue. And Middlesbrough, you know, they've gone through this situation where I think they won four games all season up until the 20th of December. And since the 20th of December, 
They've won four straight games. So they're in cracking form. So this is the worst possible time, I think, for Tottenham to go to the Riverside Stadium. Well, listen, we're in a new year. We're in a new decade. But the old Jose is back. That's the good news. I was at Southampton for game day on New Year's Day. He was scowling. He was moaning. He was picking fights. He was chucking his own players under the bus. The charming one is gone. The humble one is gone. And the Jose that we've all known and loved over the years is very much back in the picture. I think Middlesbrough have got a great chance. I was taken aback, I think, by just how poor Spurs were defensively. Those two centre-backs, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, were running in treacle at times. And, yeah. if, and, and if, if it, as an opposing team, you get the ball in behind them, you turn them, they can't do it. They can't run. Serge Aurier is an accident waiting to <laughs> happen. Billy. Um, they haven't got a proper left-back because Sessegnon is far better going forward than he is defensively. Harry Kane is injured. We saw him hobble off. I think this is going to be a big chance for Tro- Troy Parrott, maybe, to live up to the hype that Tottenham fans have sort of built up him as the saviour, if you like, this 17-year-old Irish. And it's a big ask, but with Son just coming back from suspension, they need to wrap him up in cotton wool. I think Parrott will play against Middlesbrough. And I, I think this is the one. You said about Rochdale-Newcastle. Yeah. I think it's this game that could well provide us with the upset of the weekend. Okay, it's time for the commentator's curse. Uh, Players or clubs, we're going to put the mockers on this week by giving a statistical reason as to uh, why they'll do well in this round of the FA Cup. It's a bit difficult with the FA Cup, isn't it? Because you don't know who is going to play. You don't know who's going to be selected um, for some of the big teams who are obviously going to rotate. I'm going to focus on West Ham United. And, you know, it is a bit pantomime season, isn't it? I know David Moyes is probably going to rotate his team a little bit, but maybe keep some of the big boys in. But surely, just for jokes, he's got to give us another episode of the Roberto Show, hasn't he? Because <laughs> this guy has been some provided some of the most entertaining moments of the season. He's been fabulous. Um, Look, okay, they were brilliant against um, Bournemouth on New Year's Day. They won by four goals to nil. Congratulations uh, to them. However, you know, I want to see Roberto back in goal. How how can anybody else make a, a worse impact than this guy? He's turned up uh, he's become the number two goalkeeper, gets thrust into the spotlight, and what does he do? He chucks in 22 goals in nine games. 22 goals in nine games, four of them against Oxford United. I mean, absolutely astonishing. And some of the the incidents where he sort of dived over the ball against Tottenham Hotspur, when Harry Kane was bearing down on goal, he seemed to just sort of jump out of the way rather than towards the ball to try and stop it. Um, he, he is just absolute box office entertainment. I'd love to see him again, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not sure everyone would agree with that. Sam, to be honest, you may, maybe just you. But um... it'll definitely keep a clean sheet now, won't it? If he does play. <laughs> what you got, Danny? Um, well, I'm pretty sure that this guy's going to play because he is Mister FA Cup, um, and I'm going to go with Newport County striker Padre Armand. Um, they're playing against Millwall. They're away at the Den, ah. um, and this guy just scores goals in the FA Cup. Um, he's he's made his duty almost to a. Uh, to score goals in this competition. He was joint top goal scorer um, in last year's competition with Gabriel Jesus. I think he's already spoken about watching that FA Cup final um, and praying that that goal was kind of given to Raheem Sterling in, instead of Jesus. It ended up being given to Jesus and then he 
obviously um, got his fifth goal in a the competition. They ended up kind of joint scores in last year's competition. He scored in eight consecutive rounds of the FA Cup. So following on from last season into this season, he he scored in the in the victory against Grimsby. Um, he got the winner against Malden and Tiptree in the last round. Um, and I spoke to Mike Flynn a couple of weeks ago actually, and uh, prior to Christmas, and he was speaking about the draw. And he said, um, obviously, they would have liked a bigger kind of uh, team than Millwall. Um, we know how the last couple of seasons, they really have financially benefited Newport um, in the FA Cup. They've had really good runs and um, made a lot of money in the competition. So he would have liked a bigger draw. But I think from a, a player point of view, uh, coming up against Millwall, Padre will be really confident that he's going to get on the score sheet again. So um, I'm going to go with Padre Gamon to, uh, to score in his ninth successive round. Mm, I'm not sure about the ethics of giving big licks to someone who is praying for Jesus to be struck off. Uh, what have you got, Alex? <laughs> um, I've got to say, I feel a bit inferior there compared to what Gabs has just done because it, it did cross my mind that I would look at, you know, maybe some <laughs> of the not for the first time, some of the lower ranked teams left in, you know, find out a striker filed or used to be a milkman who maybe has got a good record <laughs> in cup competitions but do you know what I thought actually I'm so annoyed I like where you're going with this though. <laughs> I'm, I'm so annoyed about Manchester United's performance against Arsenal I'm just going to use it as an excuse to hammer Jesse Lingard <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do um, no goals and no assists in a calendar year that is quite impressive for someone who's supposed to be an attack minded player at one of the so called biggest clubs in world football so well done Jesse he does of course have a winning goal in an FA Cup final so maybe this competition is going to spark him back into some kind of life it's not true though is it because you're talking about the Premier League and he has actually scored in the Europa League this season no, so that doesn't he, count. he has come up with a goal that doesn't nitpicking <laughs> playing against a pub side from Azerbaijan so will it count in the FA Cup then if he scores in the FA Cup well, at least he's playing a Premier League team. So, yeah, it will count. Listen, it's not going to happen because he's rubbish, but we'll give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to play first. Ah, they, hey, whatever you do, you sit on that fence. I don't want you going out there and giving too much of a strident opinion. I know it's a new year and it's a new you and all that, but you just, you just try and keep those cards close to your chest. Uh, Alex Crook and Danny Gabadon, thank you very much for joining us in the pod uh, this week. A special FA Cup uh, special. Looking forward to that. We've got seven games across the TalkSport network uh, this weekend, bringing you the likes of Arsenal against Leeds on Monday night, but also exclusively Wolves against Manchester United on Saturday evening. I'll be at Rochdale against Newcastle, and we'll be back next week with a preview to all the Premier League action as the top flight returns. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.